Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning, good morning. I am Danny Kilgore. I serve as one of the pastors on staff here at Marine Covenant Church. And it is, thanks, Felicity. It is a blessing to be before you this morning. So whether you are joining us here on site, you are, dis you are worshiping from a distance, or if you are catching the replay after we post this online, I wanna say welcome. It is a gift to have you here and for you to have chosen this church as your place to encounter God. You know, it's been pretty fun having this being our all generation worship. You know, I heard it say once that a church with no youth has no future. But from the looks of those that were singing and playing behind me and looking out in the crowd, I must say that the future of Marine Covenant looks pretty bright. Wouldn't you agree? Amen. Amen. Well, we are in a series called Following Jesus. And it's where each week we take a book from the Gospel of John and we follow the life of Christ. And so today we're going to focus on John chapter 8, verses 2 through 11. That's John chapter 8, verses 2 through 11. So I invite you to go ahead and grab a Bible, whether it's one of the ones in our seat pockets, or if you have your own, or if you choose to use an electronic version. But I also want to let you know that the scripture will be on the screen as well. So that's John chapter 8, verse 2 through 11. Now, some of you, as you are skimming through and you're finding your scripture, you may notice something unique about this set of scriptures. Or maybe you noticed it in your study time this past week as you studied the book of John chapter 8 leading into this Sunday. So if you notice, those scriptures are all in italics. And there is a reason why. Now, I was all prepared to show you what that was like. I had prepared my little paragraph and everything. And then Pastor Jeff mentioned, hey, you know, I posted that on, on TikTok. It's like, really? First, I was surprised Pastor Jeff was on TikTok, number one. <laughs> but our church has a TikTok page. Did y'all know that? Okay, well, I want you to see Pastor Jeff's explanation about that set of scriptures. Let's take a look. I'm Jeff. I'm one of the lead pastors at Marin Covenant. Here's the deal. We're going to do a frequently asked question in 60 seconds. Well, maybe more like 75. I'm going to tell you why it is that in John chapter 8, we have this text of scripture, that story of the woman caught in adultery where Jesus forgave her, why that's in italics and what it says in your Bible. Here's the deal. Here's how the Bible was put together. Before any of these guys wrote the stories, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, somewhere between 20 and 50 years after Jesus's ministry, these stories stories were circulated both orally and written down in shorter clips, in longer clips, and then these guys put them together in their books to tell us the stories so we could have them for all time. This story about that woman and Jesus's forgiveness was not originally in the first draft of John's Bible. So where it's found in ours, that's actually not where John wrote it. We don't really know who wrote it. Could have been Luke, it could have been John, and he could have put it in a different section. We don't have what they call the manuscript evidence going back that far to know where it showed up. But they do know it's showed up 
all over the manuscript history that it was an early reliable documents that document that Christians knew was a true story about Jesus. So they kept circulating it and eventually it just got put at the end of John 7, beginning of John 8. So what you have there is a story that the disciples knew was true and passed down to us. So now we can read it with confidence that it came from God to us to teach us about Jesus. There you go. There's your frequently asked question. Who would have thought that TikTok was good enough for us to be able to put a historically, biblically account of scripture, not just for milk crate challenges and dance-offs, right? <laughs> you can actually find something that will sow into you on TikTok. That's a blessing. Oh, here, real quick, shameless plug. Many of you didn't even know we had a TikTok page. So you should be following us on TikTok. Also Instagram and Facebook and Vimeo and YouTube. We have all of them those channels. So you all should follow us on our social media. Like, share, and subscribe, okay? <laughs> yes, we are gonna hit 10 million followers very soon. Oh, that was more funny than <laughs> Jeff being on TikTok. <laughs> it's okay, watch, you're gonna see. <laughs> so like I said, we are in a series called Following Jesus, and we are from the book of John, chapter eight, verse two through 11. And it reads, at dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him. And he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? See, they were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. In verse 10, Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. The title of my sermon is called, Judge Not and Sin No More. Judge Not and Sin No More. You know, sin is never an easy topic to discuss. Though it's an important one, it's hard to talk about. I genuinely believe it's because you can't discuss sin without discussing judgment. Maybe if we could leave the idea of judgment out of the discussion, sin would be a little more easy to to tolerate and navigate through, but we can't. You see, this is because as Christians, we are called to a certain standard of living. 
We are to live holy and righteous lives, not just in word, but in our actions and how we live in community with one another. We are also called to hold each other accountable. And we learn in John chapter 7, verse 24, that when we are not meeting up to that standard, we as followers of Christ are to judge one another, get this, with righteous judgment. In other words, godly people have the right to discern what is right and what is wrong. What is righteous and what is unrighteous. Good from evil. So if that's the case, then why does the discussion of sin and judgment leave such a bad taste in your mouth? Why is it that the more we discuss sin and judgment, the more it separates people and causes them to have more seeds of sinful living planted into their lives? I believe it's because of how they experience this conversation. Okay, so many of you have heard me talk about my upbringing and how I was raised by my grandmother. Well, this picture right here is not a picture of my grandmother. <laughs> it's a picture of another woman. But, because I couldn't find a picture that would work with technology because my grandmother was born in the 30s. So this woman just gonna have to be a stand-in for my, for my grandmother. Now, I know my mother's watching online, and she said, that don't look like my mama. <laughs> Just be easy, mother, okay? <laughs> but this picture represents what I see as a conversation about judgment and sin. It represents authority. See, my granny, though she loved so hard, she ruled with an iron fist. Her words were the law. Whatever she said, went. So for me, when I think about judgment of my actions, it comes from someone of authority, someone who's lived longer than me, who has experienced more than me. But most times I think when we think of judgment of our sins, we look at a picture like this, a picture of people pointing fingers at us each one pointing at an imperfection or a mistake or a wrong decision that we've made in our past. See, when someone points out our mistakes and our brokenness, it exposes us and we feel vulnerable, we feel ashamed. But I don't know about you, when I was growing up, I was told you're not supposed to judge people, that judging others was wrong. You know, my name, Danielle, is the fem feminine version of Daniel. It actually means God is my judge. Matthew chapter seven, verse one says, do not judge or you too will be judged. You know, at first glance, you would believe that this verse, in this verse, Jesus is actually condemning the judgment of others. Thus implying you're not supposed to judge unless you want to be judged yourself. In other words, at first glance, we could think the scripture is saying, don't tell me what to do, because God can only do that. But is that the truth of the scripture? Is that really what Christ is showing in Matthew and in John 8? 
Is Christ against judgment? Were the Pharisees and the teachers of the law wrong in exposing the sin of this woman? You know, I think to answer that question, we have to be able to know the difference between righteous judgment and self-righteousness. Let's take a look at verse 4 through 6 in John chapter 8. And they said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bit down and started to write on the ground with his finger. Okay, can we just pause and acknowledge the dramatics of Jesus in this scripture? (laughs) The fact that people are screaming and yelling at him. And Jesus just casually bends down and starts writing on the ground. (laughs) Why would he do that? Well, I don't have enough time to explain it to you right now. But if you look it up, I promise you will see that what Christ was doing in that moment was actually quite astonishing. Or if you want to email Jeff, he'll take you out to uh, to coffee. And if you remember what it means, he'll actually give you $100. He told me to tell you that. (laughs) So what is righteous judgment versus self-righteousness? I'm going to read this definition. Righteous judgment means judging according to the holiness, grace, and divine love of God. Righteous judgment means judging according to the holiness, grace, and divine love of God. Whereas self-righteousness is when you think that your beliefs and morals are better than everyone else's. See, a self-righteous person thinks that they can do no wrong, that they carry themselves in this holier-than-thou type of attitude, judging and scrutinizing everyone else's mistakes, but never theirs. Think of it like traps versus truths. Okay, so I recently learned that I'm not just a millennial, but I'm what they call a geriatric millennial. Okay, that's rude, right? Geriatric millennium. But it's not a joke. It's an actual term. It's a term that describes millennials that were born between 1980 and 1985. And the reason why they have this term is because they are the last grouping of people to remember pre-technology. See, I realized I was really in this group when I was thinking about, okay, how do I determine truth versus traps? And this picture is what came to mind. Does anybody know what this is? <laughs> Y'all know what this is? <laughs> Somebody yell it out. What is this? It's a Chinese finger trap. See, everybody under 35, y'all don't know what this is. Y'all are so confused. Geriatric millennial in the house. Baby boomers, I see you. We here. Okay, we are here. <laughs> Yes, this is a Chinese finger trap. Okay, I think I want to see if a teen or a child can play this game because this is what happens. It's a game where you put your fingers in on both sides. You have to be able to take them out. I'm looking at this young lady. You want to try? Yeah, you. Turn it around. (laughs) Come try. I bet you. I bet you can figure it out. As a matter of fact, give one to her dad too. Let's see who can do it quicker. 
All right? So you have to put your fingers in. You can sit down. It's okay. You can put both fingers in. And then by the end of the service, you got to be able to figure out how to take it out. Your dad can't tell you how to do it. Dad, you can't ask anybody to remind you how to do it. You just have to figure it out on your own. And I'm going to check in at the end. I don't have any scissors, so you have to figure it out, okay? <laughs> All right, so this is what I thought about when I thought about self-righteous people. They're like finger traps. They invite you in with the intention of trapping you. And the more, uh oh, can I see you, girl? <laughs> the more you try to pull, the harder you pull away, it exposes your weakness. It exposes your frustration. It exposes your inadequacies. You see, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they couldn't stand the fact that Christ was building up so much momentum. They couldn't understand why he knew so much and had not been taught by one of them. They were frustrated. They were angry. They were trying to question him to set a trap for him. But Jesus didn't fall for their tricks. He didn't fall for their trap. Instead, he kneeled down and began riding in the dirt. So here's how you escape the trap. You relax your hands. You push both fingers inward, and soon enough, the hole will get large enough for your two fingers to escape. Family traps can never be escaped with force or aggressive action. You must relax and avoid trying to do what may seem to be obvious. See, Christ knew the Pharisees weren't looking for the truth. They weren't looking for him to show them a new way. They weren't looking to be comforted. No, they were looking to accuse him and condemn her. But Romans chapter 8, verse 1 through 2 says, Therefore, there is no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. As I move into my last point, I want to go ahead and invite um, the band back up and the kiddos so that they can take some time to get settled in. But I want you to know this. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ, we are never to be condemned. Our sins have been forgiven. We have been set free, and therefore no one has the right to condemn you for anything in self-righteous manners. We've all made mistakes. We all have a past. And kiddos, let me let you know, the longer you live, the most likely you're going to make more mistakes. This is why when... Jesus replied to her, the woman, or replied to the Pharisees in verse 7. He said, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw the stone at her. Family, I believe that's a word for all of us in this room. All of us online. Let us show grace to one another. See, as we navigate this world we live in, we mustn't be so quick 
to judge another because their things, the way they see the world doesn't line up with the way we do. We have to understand that because one person's human experience is different than another, there's no right for us to judge them as a a result of that. It's like this finger trap. The more we try to forcefully pull away, the longer we remain in the trap. Not like this young lady, she's super smart. (laughs) But if we relax and allow ourselves to come closer, what was meant to be a trap now becomes a tool for us both to escape. We are not called to be self-righteous, but we are called to judge righteously. See, in verse 10, Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. See, Christ died so that we could reconcile our relationship with the Father. His sacrifice cost him his life so that we could gain ours. Our response should never be an invitation to live in a life of self-pleasure and selfish decision-making. No, instead, our response should always be complete surrenderance to his will. Judge not and sin no more. Family, I bet if you reflect on your life, and the mess that your sin had you caught in. I bet if you look back on how far God brought you from, when you see someone's sinful mess, you won't sit back and stare at them or shake your head at all the things that they've done. No, instead, you'd pick up a mop and help them clean up their guilt, their shame, their brokenness all of the things that was trying to keep them separated from God. You see, if you don't remember anything else from today, I want you to remember this. Our judgment of sin should always draw someone closer to God and further from a life of sin. I know for some of you, you're saying, it's easier said than done. You don't know what my past is like. You don't know the mistakes that I've made. You don't know the things that I've done. You don't know how broken I am inside. And you're right, I don't know, but God does. And yet he is still here with his arms outstretched, welcoming you into his presence. Draw closer to God. While you're focused on not judging others, I want to encourage you not to judge yourself either. The sacrifice of Christ, the blood that was shed way back on Calvary paid the price for that. He wants to change your circumstance. Come closer to God. I know it's been hard, but don't pull away. Come closer to God. The closer you get, the easier it will be to escape this life of guilt, shame, and hurt, and sin. 
the closer you draw into God, the more you come to the altar, you'll find that there's forgiveness there. You'll find that there's healing there. You'll find that there's love and peace, understanding. You'll find that there's patience in your process if you just come closer to God. Today, I want to invite you, as we continue into worship, to come in closer to God. Lay down your judgment. Lay down the sin. Pick up the grace of God. Let's stand as we continue in worship.